Good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to another episode of Random Trek. As always, I am Captain Christopher Ingle without the Captain Pike Quaff. And as always, I am joined by the man who keeps the programmable matter running, the man who makes sure that our spore drive works perfectly, Commander Brennan, the mystical Mar. Brennan, how you doing? I don't have a beard. No beard? No. Aw. Well, today we get a joy. We get to take a trip to the next generation. And the the two-parter Birthright, uh, which was part of season six, episodes 16 and 17. And I like this episode a lot. I tend to like Klingon-centric episodes. Uh, and this is no exception, Brennan. Uh, did you have a good time with this episode? Oh, my word. <laughs> this was a lot of fun to go back to after a few years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so as this is a two-parter, I'm going to split it up just a little bit. So I'm going to give you our breakdown of what uh, goes on. But it's really the tale of two stories. Uh, so we're going to break it down in, in two pieces, uh, and then we'll evaluate it all together. So the story, we have, we have two parts. We have Commander Data's story. And we have Lieutenant Worf's story. Now, Lieutenant Worf's is the meaty one, but I'm going to start with uh, uh, Commander Data. So the Enterprise is docked at Deep Space Nine, which actually makes this formally our first full crossover between TNG and uh, uh, Deep Space Nine, which is really great. Well, if you don't count Emissary. Unless you count Emissary, of course. <laughs> but... Um, uh, on the Enterprise, uh, Commander Data de detects uh, some illegal power usage in sickbay and goes and finds Dr. Bashir there. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Bashir is checking out an, uh, an instrument he says might be a medical instrument from, uh, from the, the uh, Gamma Quadrant. Uh, and of course, uh, what's really kind of fun about this episode is, is the number of times Bashir just stops and asks Data random questions. And he's so fascinated by Data and I really like this because it, well, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. I, I guess we should break it down first. I, I want to talk about analysis because this is so good. Uh, but um, they take it to engineering uh, and plug this machine into the warp drive uh, to kind of give it a power boost. But when they do that, a plasma discharge hits data and knocks them out for about a minute. Knocks them out. But data begins to experience a vision. And he's confused as to what this is, and he's trying to understand it. Uh, and he comes to the understanding that may maybe I need to explore these images more, which will help me go further. So he goes to his quarters and starts painting. And, and he's a very good artist too, by the way. I would love mm -hmm. to have a data original. Mm -hmm. uh, but he starts painting uh, the image of, of Dr. Nunyan Sun and a bird's wing and uh, just different things that lead one thing to another. And he doesn't understand exactly what it means. What he wants to, he decides to do is that he wants to recreate the experiment and allow the vision to continue instead of Jordy waking him up and, and saving it. Because Jordy thought his you know, pathways were gonna break down, something was wrong. So, they get Dr. Bashir in with him in engineering, uh, and they recreate the same experiment 
Uh, this time, Data sitting in a chair. Good idea, Jordy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the discharge happens, and it shocks Data, and again, sends him to a vision. But this time, the vision's different. And he interacts with the vision. And it's Dr. Nunyan Soon uh, telling him, you know, Data, you've reached a level I didn't know you could reach. And Data's like, what? And he's like, well, I programmed you with the ability to essentially dream. But I didn't know if your programming would be capable of it. I didn't know if you could reach this kind of a level. And the fact that you've made this level is amazing. You can dream whatever you want now. This is a step further to a level of sentience that I never understood, which is we know with Soon, he always was trying to make these androids as human-like as possible that he could do. And so Data discovers now that he can dream and that if he turns off his cognitive functions, he can tap into that and to begin to dream. Uh, and so that's that's Data's side of it, is dealing with that. Transcends to more human. Yeah, life. unfortunately, it's only about a quarter of the two episodes yeah. combined. But it's such an important thing because it comes up later mm-hmm. down the line in, in Next Generation. But this is also great data development. But you mean Picard? Uh, Picard, no, Picard too. Uh, the idea of data dreaming, I know, comes up in season seven, I believe. Uh, oh, I does, see. I, th- I yeah. thought you, I'm like, we're already talking about Next Generation. No, d- data's dreams. Yeah. If yeah, you remember. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but. The, the majority of the episode fo- f- episodes focuses on Worf. Worf is in the promenade and is approached by an alien he's never seen, Jim Cromwell. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Jim Cromwell before uh, it w- he was uh, Zephram Cochran. But he tells them, I have information about your father to sell to you. Your father is still alive. And this makes Worf pretty mad. Uh, but he eventually convinces the, the guy to give him the information. And he says, your father is still alive and is being held on this planet. And I can take you there for a price. Worf still is kind of going through this anger thing. He doesn't know how to take this information. He eventually asks for a little bit of leave. Uh, and since they're docked at DS9, not a problem. So uh, he goes away on this plan- uh, to this planet Uh, with this alien Uh, and as he's trekking through the jungle he discovers a compound of klingons that seem to be being held captive by romulans he he meets a young lady uh by a stream uh that you know he kind of starts to have a thing for as the episode goes along of course Uh, of course uh but he sneaks in uh and tries to free the people but they they turn him in and he's caught what we find out is that these Klingons are, well, at least the older ones, are indeed survivors of the massacre at Kittimer, where his father allegedly died. Um, and they were, um, the Romulan guard, who is, who is the, the head of, of, of this, uh, this place, kind of had sympathy for them. And, you know, these were mostly not fighters. These were not warriors. They were just normal people. Um, And so they agreed to stay. But because they were captured, the Klingons wanted to stay. 
because in Klingon culture to be captured is one of the greatest dishonors you could experience and your family would face that dishonor as well. So they stayed uh, and built a life over what I believe it was like 20 years. They had children. In fact, the Romulan captor married one of the Klingons and had a child, the young lady that Worf met down by the river. Mm. Worf is having a hard time acclimating to this idea. They won't let him leave because it's a risk. Uh, if, if people knew where this was, it could equal danger for the Romulans for letting these Klingons go and also for the Klingons and the dishonor that would happen to their family. Mm-hmm. And Worf is having a hard time really digesting this. And he's teamed up with a, a young man who knows nothing of the Klingon culture and begins, Worf kind of teaches him. He teaches him how to hunt, how to be a warrior. And he really starts to kick in with this. But this makes the Klingon or the uh, Romulan commander mad and he's ready to sentence him to death. He's ready to do it. Um, and so the Romulan commander eventually decides to put him to death. He doesn't want to, but that's the only choice he has to protect everything that they built uh, because he believes this is the first example of Romulans and Klingons living in peace. And they've been living in peace for 20 years. Uh, and so he's put on the line, but then um, the, the young warrior comes in dressed in Klingon garb uh, and defends him and says, if you have to kill him, you'll kill me. And then the young lady who, who has fallen in love with Worf also does the same. And now the, a lot of the younger uh, ones come in and do the same. And the, the older Klingons say, listen, we will stay with you. We will continue this. We will not leave, but let the young ones go. Just let them go. Worf won't tell anybody about this. He understands what's at stake. And in the end, they, they agree to it. Uh, they are delivered by the Romulans to the Enterprise, uh, where they uh, where they are you know beamed aboard and checked and everything. Uh, and Picard asks Worf, "Did you find what you were were looking for?" And he's like, "No." They, he lies and he says these were survivors of a crash. Uh, you know, Moog is dead. And in Worf's way, ending his struggle with this, uh, uh, you know, what he's been going through for the whole series about the dishonor and the memory of his father uh, and thus teaching these children, the young ones too, their birthright, what it means to be Klingon and Worf accepting his place in Starfleet and that, you know, the, the idea he can move on without his father. He can be a Klingon without the memory of his father. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it with this, but it's so good digging into Klingon culture. So, uh, let's go ahead and move ahead and talk about uh, the the things we really liked about this episode. Brennan, you go first. Well, let's talk about with Data. I think I personally liked his storyline more. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to how that connects to Star Trek canon in a few minutes. Um, I love getting to see uh, yet again, you know, the beginning of these how many songs can be played by Fred Spiner? <laughs> All of them. The genes are strong in that family. 
Um, I really like this idea of Klingon and Romulans living together in peace because we know how much they sort of they've had this love-hate relationship for centuries. Mm -hmm. Mostly hate with a few alliances in and there. And I just love that we get to see just this interesting social experiment between the two and then the Romulans aren't portrayed as evil. Mm -hmm. What they were doing is actually fairly noble considering. Mm -hmm. um, though admittedly, I don't think the storyline resonated with me as much as it did say with you. But also, um, in particular, getting to see Dr. Bashir. Alexander Siddig is such a marvelous actor. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that we got to see him and we got a crossover between the two uh, series. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy the, an expand, an expand exploration of Data's character. Mm -hmm. And I do like that Worth Worth is such an interesting character because he has got to be maybe the most repressed character in Star Trek. Besides maybe Mr. Spock and the Worth stubbornly likes to hold on. Mm -hmm. There's so many things in his life. I think Klingon um, seem to be a terribly stubborn people. And I really like that that the idea that both Data and Worth are dealing with the legacy of their fathers. Mm -hmm. That I think is amazing because in a way, Data and Worf are a lot like each other. Mm -hmm. They are this idea that they both don't quite fit in. They both are trying to find what's their purpose. And they're both searching for more. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love just some scenes involving as always there's a great little like funny interactions between Star Trek characters which I always just mm -hmm. absolutely adore and of course um, getting to see James Cromwell again this is the second appearance. time this is the second time I believe second time he's appeared in TNG oh what was the first I forget um, I think it was like second or third season, give or take. I have to look in that. It was earlier on. Okay. But yeah, those are the things that I really enjoyed in that this episode. It's quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I really, uh, so in looking at the data aspect of it, Bashir at first comes off as a bit of a goofball and he does. And early Bashir always did. He's just and curious, you that's know, true. um, um, <laughs> The thing with him, though, is that the questions that he asked Data, even though are, are played to Bashir's curiosity as a scientist, it also sets up for us 
kind of the expectations as to how Data views himself at that moment. Mm. He asks him things about breathing. He asks him things about his hair growth and like, but it allows Data a moment to, in through answering these questions, establish this, this rigidity within himself. Even though he's trying to grow, he kind of knows my hair will, you know, I could change it if I wanted to, you know, but everything's a simulation and everything is stated. And, and the, 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 the uh, state of data at that point through these Bashir questions is cleverly set up. I really like that. But then we have this, this plasma discharge and this, this addition now that data is able to take the next evolution in his programming. That's fascinating stuff. This is a huge jump for data development and does, as, as we'll talk about it with how it affects Trek, but this affects future Trek in large ways. Um, so I really like that. Bashir's questioning was a very clever way on the writer's part of, establish, of establishing how data feels about himself without asking data, how do you feel about yourself? Mm -hmm. really well done um and then the actual dream sequences i really like i really enjoy it uh and any time that brent spinner has an opportunity to play uh nunyan singh which i think in tng there were only uh, nunyan singh let's Soong, mix yeah sorry soon this is the problem with these star trek names soon and Singh uh are two different people <laughs> anyways yes. uh but point being um that the, I think this is the third and final time that he would play uh, Dr. Sun uh, in TNG. Uh, but I always enjoy it because mm -hmm. you see him being truly a doting father as best as he can be. And with, I, I just, an, with an unhealthy obsession with augments. That's true. Well, with with Khan Nunian Singh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was his ancestor, you know, when we're, we're, that's another doctor. So who was supposed to doctor? All students must also be doctors. I think that's the and other. All students apparently have an unhealthy obsession with Khan. Apparently. I mean, uh, all, all great people have their skeletons in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, but the, the things with data were so well done and developed and the, mm. everything and, and having Bashir, while funny, really adds to it in a subtle way mm -hmm. uh, and i really enjoyed that now the wharf stuff which is the meat and potatoes of this episode anytime wharf has the opportunity to meet with his people and to be a klingon we need yeah. more of this yes i yes. want more of it it's it is by far the best example of character development in the entire star trek canon Worf, yeah, the Klingon stuff is pretty good. Uh, you know, and, and this is not the first time we've talked about Worf uh, on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, because Worf comes up a lot. And Worf I, goes through some very interesting mm -hmm. um, explorations of his identity in this series. Him dealing with the other Klingons was really fascinating. And we see him go through a lot too. His natural hatred as a Klingon for the Romulans, mm. he goes through a change. Uh, the young lady that he falls in love with is half Klingon, half Romulan. Mm. 
And so at first he was taken taken aback by it and does not like the fact that she's Romulan. As a Klingon, he was falling for her and he admits that. But then he notices her ears and that she's Romulan too. And is like, whoa, uh uh-uh, no, no, no. But he's dealing with his own predilections of who the Romulans are because the reality is, is that what this Romulan commander did was probably a really noble and good thing. He gave up a military career. He gave up his life. He gave uh, up to, to exist a life of exile to protect these people. Yeah, and Romulans, as we've seen, can often be perceived as stabbed you in the back Machiavellian types. Mm-hmm. But this guy, this put aside his political career yeah. for the sake of protecting Klingons from dishonor. Mm-hmm. That says a lot. And this, yeah, this this guy did something we'd never seen Romulans do, and he cares. Actually cares. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about him. It's it's very, it was very refreshing. Um, and I even understand the uh, Klingons and their position of wanting to hide in exile because of the dishonor that would happen to their families. Mm-hmm. Only downside I see to this is with the young ones, when they come back, I'm like, what's the story they're going to tell the high command or, or tell Kronos, you know? They like, crashed a long time ago. Uh, I, I think there's going to be more problems there than a good, but okay. Yeah. Um, but I respect it. I, I do. Um, I, I, I very much like what Worf is doing here. And then teaching them to be Klingon, um, you know, through through the, the Klingon uh, Tai Chi that's what I call it, the, the yeah, thing on martial yeah. art. Um, watching him uh, uh, talk the stories of Kalos and oh, and the people. I love the stories of Kalos. Yes, the stories of Kalos is great, and he's got and the singing. Do you know what that song means? No, it's just pretty. Like he hit me having to re-explain to these people or explain to these people what their culture is <laughs> is so fascinating, but it begs these questions that i really like in that you know what makes is our culture something that is born into us something that is raised is it a choice is it what is it and this episode really looks into that i think unintentionally but it does uh and it's very deep for for star trek i mean star Mm -hmm. trek could get deep but this was way more relevant to some stuff that's still going on today uh, in this idea of culture and who are we and, and where identity am I from? and identity, yeah. In the case of um, Baal, not being accepted because you're neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Worth is similar because he's raised by humans when he's playing on. Yep, he doesn't feel at home in either. Right. You know, and there are so many stories out there of people who are mixed race. Who are yeah. not accepted by either either group yeah too work. dark to be white too too white to be dark you know and... yeah and uh, these are real stories this happens and wharf just did that to her wharf is knocking her because she doesn't know her klingon heritage and he's knocking her because of her romulan you know birth and and she, gives, she gives him what for <laughs> yeah I, actually i like this girl uh, she yeah. give me a little whiny which goes into something I don't like no, with her. We'll, we'll get to that yeah. in a second. <laughs> but uh, 
all otherwise the the building of klingon culture and Worf being able to go through um what it means to be a klingon is a really great treat um you know and to see romulans not being described as as mustache twirling evil driving cold war spy type yeah Mm -hmm. this is really great and I yeah. love that. And I tell you, there's so many more things I like that I can't talk about them now because I have to wait till the connection with Arthur Cannon. <laughs> right, 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 right. But needless to say, there's a lot we like about this. Absolutely. And the tiny thing, Jim Cromwell. Oh, yeah. I love oh, what yeah. Jim Cromwell's doing here. Uh, it's not much, but uh, I just, I, I really adore seeing Jim Cromwell uh, oh, in yeah. the makeup and having fun. And then, I love them being on DS9. Being on DS9 yep. Yep. is a nice change of pace. DS9 might be my favorite Star Trek series, but we'll get there. Oh, it, it, I'll tell you now, it has always been my favorite. However, Strange New Worlds is oh, fighting to change boy. that. It is, but anyway. Oh boy, we'll get there. We will get there. I can't wait for the season to end so we can talk yep. about Strange New Worlds. Yep. Though I don't uh, want the season in because I, I don't it. either, but uh, uh that we'll, we'll, we'll move on. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on. They to will be, they will be, yeah. Some of the things that we didn't like in this episode, and I think that that list is going to be a little slim. Well, I didn't think that by, the actress who played by her acting was that great, mm-hmm. but at the time she was like 20 years old, the actress, and you know, it's like, okay, I get it. I chalked that up. I to... found it a little bit like, like, have you been like nine hundred two or no? I think I don't know. A little bit, yeah. I chalked it up to they were trying to play off the the almost adolescence kind of angle. Yeah, you know that she's a child and or at least young and impetuous, and I I, I bought that, but I see where you're coming from with that, and I can understand that the acting was a little little lackluster. Yeah, but then. Uh... No, I, I do like a relationship with her with her parents. Um, yeah. Anyhow, uh, just like um, well, I mean, I would have loved to have seen more data and mm-hmm. stuff. That's my major problem as well. My mo- my largest problem is I wanted a bigger balance. But, the part one splits it up very nicely, oh yeah. 50-50, oh yeah. but it wraps up the data story. Data storyline is the B storyline for this. Uh, and it should be. I, I don't disagree with that. I agree, yeah. But it just, it it, it, it ends it rather quickly. And I, I would have loved to have had a little more mystery built into that and, and extend it into uh, part two. Yeah. Part two focuses yeah. all on Worf. And yeah. occasionally we go back to the Enterprise and they're going, hey, where's Worf? Let's find out where Worf is. And then they go back to work. So yeah, I agree with you. The the uh, the times split between the two stories is is favored for Worf. And while that's great, I do want more data. You know, I I I, I, I'm always very loath to say, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. I would have liked to maybe see a couple of scenes between Vale and her dad. Would have been kind of nice. You know that she, we know that she, she respects her dad. Mm-hmm. She loves her dad. She doesn't like worse uh, negative attitude toward her father. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see the nice scene between the two of them. 
yeah. But that's where they would have as opposed to should have. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, like to, I like to engage with what's there. Mm-hmm. I, I also would have loved, we had a couple scenes on the promenade. Yeah. I would have loved just a quick hello from Quirk. A little bit of Quirk. Little a little bit. bit of Quirk would have been nice in that Quark, opening Quark scene. nearly strangling Quirk for some reason, yeah. Yeah, or any of the other characters just, or you know what? And I, I don't know, maybe this is reaching. I'm going to call it reaching. Mm. I would love to have had Jedzia interact with Worf in an early kind of, that way when, when Worf comes back to the station, their friendship starts to build in a much more natural way for DS9. I actually like the first scene they meet each other in DS9. I wouldn't change that for a world. I, I get it. I get it. I the get whole it. King Arthur holiday. Oh, that's, well, that's true. That's they, true. I mean, they would have taken away some of the fun of that. But I don't think they knew at the time what they were going to no, do. Before, no, no. So. And also, it's good to see Morn, by the way. I love Morn. I like that he was there. But yeah, also, one nice thing I will say is Dr. Crusher gets the shaft again. No Crusher. She did like one scene. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, did she actually get to do anything interesting? Mm-hmm. You know, you've mentioned this in the past. There's not enough of everyone else. Picard, Riker. And, and again, I know with writers what the predilection is in general is to focus on one or two characters specifically in an, an episode to give it focus. Now, I understand that. But I would like it balanced out a little more with their interactions with everyone else. I mean, like Counselor Troy, a little more from her and going through this idea of well, getting to see her actually counsel was kind of nice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. But yeah, I, I don't have a lot of complaints. This is a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. No, what it does right, it and does fun right and down. meaningful. Yes. Uh, but it does have the bigger impact on the Star Trek universe. So let's start with oh, data. Yeah. Let's start with data because we oh, yeah. mentioned that. So data can dream now. How okay, does this I've been affect itching us? to get to this yes. part? Go for it. Oh my word! This ties into Star Trek Picard like you cannot believe. Mm-hmm. Getting to see the full arc of Data's story, and particularly getting to see his painting predilection, which later comes up in Picard. Mm-hmm. With Asha and Sodi. Mm-hmm. Also, the sort of dreamlike state that Data's consciousness exists in. Mm-hmm. And also, now, mind you, what did he see in his vision? He was seeing a black bird. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what species of black bird it was, but I do know that in culture, in cultural heritage, particularly European culture. The crow and the raven are often symbols of death. That's true. What do we see in Picard season two? The final death of Commander Data. True. Earlier in the previous season, in the two-parter Time's Arrow, when they find Data's head, Data says an interesting thing. He says, it brings me comfort knowing that someday I would die. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue that you could you could you could track 
what we see here with these visions of the bird, not just the, the ideas of flight and going beyond his own understanding, but also that data does ultimately die in a very mortal way. Something he always desired. That's one thing. And then another thing is getting to see more war than the Klingons, which plays out quite a bit over the next um, couple seasons of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. And who knows where it's going to go in season three at the card. And also just um, the getting to see Dr. Soong. Mm -hmm. And now that we've gotten to see doctors soon, throughout the entire run of Star Trek, and it's an obsession that the Soong seem to have with building a better human almost. Mm -hmm. And now that's a good thing and a bad thing, as we saw with Soong's ancestors. So those are some of the things that I saw that connected the bigger Star Trek. Uh, uh, for me, this uh, this obviously builds into uh, season seven's episode "Phantasms," uh, where Data was starts having what he kind of believes are nightmares. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a creepy, but it, again, leads right into that in in the following season. But I like what you what you're saying about Picard and just this idea of dreaming. Um, you know. The idea of the raven, too, is an interesting symbol that I, I do like in this, uh, in that you, you mentioned the symbol that raven is often a symbol of death. While that is true, the raven is also a symbol of, of freedom. Uh, he is a trickster, but also a, a wisdom god. Ah, yes. So I, I, that's how I view it more is, is wisdom. This is Data's ability to expand his horizon. And remember... What what soon said, Data, you are the bird. Mm, you just got me thinking down Data the trickster god. <laughs> uh, you know, if anybody could play Loki a trickster, uh, in another friend's better. Be guess what? Play. He did play a trickster. Did in it? The episode mask. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> But um, a Loki-like figure. Yeah, the use of the bird is is really a great idea. I mean, this idea of being able to soar, to be able to fly beyond or to go beyond what we mm, are. Blue skies smiling at me. Mm -hmm. mm. And I gotta say, the um the flying shot they had when Data realizes he's the bird Ooh. of going over the Enterprise and around. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, that was a great shot. So great. Anytime we're looking we get... at a 30 year old BFX shot, it still looks good. It does look good. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we, we watched it on Paramount Plus. I think they cleaned it up a little bit. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's I actually absolutely... watched my Blu ray copy I got for Christmas a couple oh. years ago. Okay. Cool. Looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but the imagery set up in that is just, it, it's got so yeah. much for data. Oh, yeah. As for Worf, I mean, what else can we say except that, you know, his continuing focus of being both a member of Starfleet and a Klingon continues to grow because of this. And boy, do the Klingons have a lot of rituals. I think, boy, do they. Uh, I, do, I do like, too, that this puts 
the the idea of his father to bed almost mm-hmm. yeah almost no, and i think the... it finally is put to rest down the line when martok uh brings him into the house of martok yep finally yep. that ends that but th- this is like that that to me is like the epilogue Ooh. to Worf's cultural story oh i just thought of one more what do you got this ties into rightful air yes and then later in the season mm-hmm of worth is lost spiritually mm-hmm. because of what he encounters in this episode. And that leads into the monastery on Bora, mm-hmm. where the, we don't want to give away spoilers yet, where Kalis reappears, the great yes. Klingon Messiah. And then, of course, Boref later comes into play. The Boreth Monastery in Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. So there are some little pie-ins there too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's so much to this. Uh, and I, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This it may really be does. one of the most like dense as far as how does it connect to other Star Trek? It really does. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess I've, I've argued this before. Season six to me is the best overall season of, of Next Gen. Uh, it's just got so mm-hmm. much to mm-hmm. it. It's got multiple two-parters. Uh, and this this is one of my favorite two-parters, period. It just, it's got such good information in it. Uh, Bashir is wonderful. Uh, and, and you get a little bit more to understand about Bashir, too, and his inquisitorial nature and just the things that fascinate him. You know, and then, of course, the building uh, of Data's character further, uh, which eventually will lead us to emotions. Combine emotions, his emotion chip and generations with, <laughs> with this. And actually, that's another interesting thing, too. Now that he can dream, when at the end of the season, we deal with his ex- his experience with emotion, though they're negative emotions, I think that taps into it. I think Data pushes mm. further into wanting to understand the emotions because he can dream because Mm. he can imagine because he now can open up to new possibilities which is why i think that that episode frustrated him so much how he was able to feel it and understand it what's going on and the idea to dream opens up those questions for him it's no longer absolutism anything is possible for data you said it I love it. This is so good. I, I love a good two-parter. Um, favorite moments from this episode. Oh my word. The scene at the beginning with Jordy and Worth at the Rifflemat. Getting food. Oh my word. And it's um pasta Fiorella. And they start eating it, and Jordy's like, oh. And he says, Yeah, Worth, because he knows his worth is eating it quite heartily. Says, how can you eat that? It tastes like liquid polymer. And Worf says, delicious. <laughs> Worf's taste in food is fascinating. Oh, prune juice when he comes. Prune juice. Drink. <laughs> the drink of a warrior. Warrior's drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a strange quirk. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I go with it. I love that. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's probably my favorite moment at this episode. 
I, I, I just really like. I just say this episode meaning two episodes. Yeah, but. yeah. For this one, I would say my favorite moment is probably the interaction between Data and and the uh, image of Sun. Yeah, and um, Sun is an interesting character because he's he's kind of a nut job. Yeah. But it's it's just I mean that he's kind of a nutcase. He's one of those. And he does, geniuses. yeah, and he just does such a good job eccentric, of guiding. Eccentric yeah. genius, definitely. And he's a guide for Data, and I I like that when he's like this. He's he's a guide, and, and it's just so fascinating. Eccentric, not a nutshell. I don't mean to say he's a psycho. Yeah, uh, you know what? I take it back because I said it before. I think this is uh in TNG here appears as as uh, uh soon four times yeah my count is right i think it's yeah. four times because i forgot about uh um his mother uh, the image from from his mother's memory in yeah. uh the seven season. oh and one thing i have to add before we finish the image of dr soon as a blacksmith mm-hmm. made me think of hephaestus and even you know the god from Greek mythology, absolutely, or Ayule from the Silmarillion, mm-hmm. these like blacksmith gods that create all things. When you look at the paintings Data does; it's definitely evocative of the idea of Hephaestus. I'm with you on that. Yeah, the god of the forge. I mean, there you go. And let's let's put it in terms. Soongs have a, an overinflated view of themselves, yep. and they, think they, themselves they think have a god. Think of themselves as god. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in fact, in season two of the card, the media called the the Doctor Soon of of the year twenty twenty four having a god complex. Yep. Yep. For good, for good or bad, they seek to build things. Well, final thoughts on this one, Brennan. This is a great episode. This is a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Fun and great. And there's a lot, as we said in our discussion, there's a lot to dissect here. Mm-hmm. For a series that is very episodic, this episode has a lot of strings that attach to other Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Other Star Trek out there. So check it out when you get to season six. I would definitely recommend this. If you're the kind of person like me that really loves the Klingon episodes, this is a must watch. If you're a person who loves data, it's a must watch. Uh, or if you're just a Star Trek fan, it's a must watch. It's You've got to have it in there. You can't skip this. Uh, it's a beautiful two-parter. Mm-hmm. Now, next week, we're going to do something special. We're going to put the randomizer uh, down for one week. We're going to start something where uh, the end of every month, uh, we are going to do, or the beginning of a new month, I mean, depending on how we drop this and when we drop it. But um, we're going to start also taking a look at the Star Trek movies. Mm. Yes. Now, instead of randomizing them, because especially... Uh, um, you know, the, 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 the first 10, uh, or for, yeah, the first 10 kind of one right after the other are important. We are going to do these in order. Uh, so the end of every month, we are going to do that, but we, what we're going to try to do is to bring a special guest mm-hmm. every, every month 
to help us look at these because I don't think our standard format's gonna work here. It'll be a longer episode, probably about an hour long. Um, but next week, in honor of the new 4K remaster of the director's edition, we are going to view Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I used to not be a fan of this. Mm. But I gotta say, every time I watch it, Brennan, it slowly creeps up my list of more and more likes. I think I'm in agreement with you there. Piece by piece, it gets better. And we are going to be joined next week by a very, very special guest who knows their trek. We are going to be joined by Mr. Steve Morris, host of the Enterprise Incidents podcast uh, with his good friend, Scott Mance. We won't have Scott on yet, but I hope down the line we're going to get some Scott Mance too. Uh, but oh, Steve and Mor- if you think we could talk Star Trek for hours. <laughs> Steve Morris is going to join us next week. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, I can't wait for that discussion uh, to happen. But Brennan, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brennan Mystical. You can hopefully soon follow my misadventures in the FCL. And you can find me on Video Drew, Mark Riley, John Roca, a certain point of view. Let's get ready. And of course, here on the A Certain Point of View. Sorry, that's not my show. On the page turners, they were not my Star Wars podcast network. Of course, here on Random Trek. Maybe we should get the certain point of view guys to come on sometime. Maybe. Could be fun. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, on Twitch at Single1984. You can also find me uh, with movie trivia showdown competitors like Video Drew, Mark Riley, Ben Bateman, uh, and so many others as they continue their voyages of their own to get belts. Uh, But until next week, when we boldly go where you know captain kirk's girdle hadn't gone before Mm. (laughs) we leave you as always kapla and live long and prosper peace and long life